Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. This is the Soho Radio Podcast, showcasing some of the best broadcasts from our online radio station, right from the heart of Soho, London. Across our music and culture channels, we have a wide range of shows covering every genre, along with chat shows, discussions and special broadcasts. Here is just one of our recent shows. To catch the full show, head to our Mixcloud page or listen live at SohoRadioLondon.com. Hello and welcome to Popteek. The show that gives your ears 100 years of motion picture recommendations for pretty much all occasions. And how do we do this? Well, it's easy, really, when you're in the company of the inimitable and incomparable Nancy Dew Matthews. Hello. Hello. And the one and only Alison Dennison. Hello, there's only one of me. Not to mention the neither here nor there me, Matthew Richardson. We're on the last leg of July. Summer is here. Does it feel like summer now? No, it feels like March. You don't need another March. We had enough of March in March. It feels like the beginning of summer. Yeah. Rather than halfway through or over halfway through summer. You lot need to be recording in a tent like me. It feels like summer and it's absolutely worst in here. The kind of summer where you're just like, I just when is winter coming? <laughs> I wish you could see this listeners. Matt as ever is in his sweat lodge that he records from for purposes of getting good sound but the trade-off is the fact that he's constantly just covered in sweat <laughs> exactly oh. his lips go white and he starts just hallucinating yeah, yeah. what i do for soho radio is nobody's bloody business <laughs> so we're here to give you a heads up and the lowdown on what's worth sticking in front of your peepers over the weeks to come whether it's new to everyone or just new to you consider pop tea a one-stop shop for a multitude of stuff to visually chew. Is that a fair statement to make? Visually chew? Visually chew. It's a bit oxymoronic, but we'll stick with it, I guess. Hey, less of the oxymoron the moronic around here. Uh, right, so to kick things off, do you remember Daddy's a Fart from a couple of shows back? Yes, indeedy. Boys Seco Men by Chai. Well, if you like that, you will love this because this is absolute musical madness. So get up off whatever you're on, beat your desk, the sofa, or the porcelain throne, Whack the speaker volume up to a filthy level and get yourself to the nearest window. Are you by the window now, ladies? No. They're all closed. They're all closed. They're all closed for you listeners. Go and open right. Attract the attention of passers-by. And as soon as you've got that, I need you to repeat after me. You are so cute, nice face. Come on, yeah. You are so cute, nice face. Come on, yeah. Nancy's shaking her head. We are so cute, nice face. Come on, yeah. I'm going to wait for the song. Okay, all right. Well, wait no longer, because here it is. You are so cute, nice face. Come on, yeah. Right, so... So we are so cute. That's right. That could have been written about us. Yeah? Yeah. Well. Although, don't mention my hair. My hair's shocking right now. People in 1970s sitcoms would say, look at the state of your hair. That's how bad my hair is. <laughs> There's a little bob coming in, but it's fine. I think now is the time for the hair sitch. Are you not going to a hairdress to dress the hair? I want to, desperately. You're able to. Yeah, I'm able to, but I think my man, Anthony, I think he's a bit busy at the moment, and I've got to wait for him. So oh, You're waiting for someone in particular. Wow. Uh... Like Lou Reed, I'm waiting for my man. You won't compromise on her. I respect that. Yeah. 
I've clearly compromised. There's no compromise going in there. Well, I, look, I don't like hairdresser small talk anyway. It takes me a long time to get my head around the right type of hairdresser. Yeah. I'm not genderizing it. This could be a man. This could be a lady. This could be anything whatsoever. Yeah. But if the conversation doesn't flow, I don't want them anywhere near me locks. Oh. I have a hairdresser voice that I put on for the small talk. It's just like very like, oh yeah, I know. Sort of more gossipy, I guess a little bit more effeminate, but like a little sassy. I'm obviously not invested in this conversation kind of voice. It's kind of autopilot, isn't it? Yeah, oh. Yeah, exactly. Love Island. It's a Love Island voice. Love, Love Island. Oh my God, no. Yeah. I either tell them everything about my life or nothing. And recently I've switched to nothing and I love it so much. I go in with a crossword, a cryptic crossword, sit down and just sort of go, one haircut, please. And then just start doing the crossword and refuse to say anything at all for the rest of the time. And it's wonderful. And I think they appreciate it as well. They can't like talking to everyone. It's so tiring. Yeah. Nice to have a break. And I want them to concentrate on their job and do a nice haircut yeah, for me. Yeah, have a break. Have a kitty cat. They're probably looking at the crossword, though, and trying to desperately say, four across. Well, let's hope not. Yeah. Otherwise, you'll come in with one eye one month. <laughs> Yeah, if you join a call with an eye patch yeah. and a nice new haircut, we'll know what happens. <laughs> or it like half done because you have to stop halfway through when they. <laughs> exactly. <Yeah. laughs> it's a humph cut. Right. Well, I was going to ask you guys how you all are, but that's such quality chat that I don't think. Well, I'm going to ask you anyway. How are you doing? You good? Awful. So fine. Do a haircut, is what I'd say. Nancy, do a haircut. Uh, well. Anyway. I wouldn't agree. Yeah, well, I can't see the top of your head because it's been cropped off by our new service. But okay, yeah, she's lowered it down. She needs a haircut. Mm. Well, look, we've got a lot to pack in this month as per normal. So I'm going to play something else now. But before we go into that, can we just have a little preview for the listeners at home of what you guys are planning on telling me all about what you've been watching and she's that is like good and we should all do the same as you and watch it and thing. Yeah. Yeah. Who wants to go first? You. Me. I'll go first. I've been watching lots of things, uh, as I always do. Just a preview, Nancy, just a preview. My preview is that I'm going to be talking about I May Destroy You, which is just one of the best things ever. Okay. And also a little quick mention of The Alienist, which I haven't been watching, but that's coming up, yeah. second series. So that's my little roundup. Hey, you were going to tell us about stuff that's going down at the National Theater as yes. well, weren't you? You're going to yes. do that? Yeah, but I don't have a huge amount to say on it, but, but it'll come, it'll come. Well, I have, so you better mention it. <laughs> well, I will. <laughs> I am looking forward to your National Theatre chat. I'm keen to join in with you on that. I've been watching some of it myself as well. Also, this month, I watched Properly for the first time. It's one of those films I've always seen bits of. The Italian Job, 1969, and I have thoughts. Hey. <laughs> Do you? I often have thoughts about The Italian Job. Sometimes just daydreams. I stare off into space having those thoughts. So, yeah, I'll be look forward to discussing yeah. that as well. Plus, I've got a gazillion cinematic anniversaries for the month of August. Well, I've got about 40, which seems like a lot, yeah. but don't worry. I'm going to mostly just name check and speed through them or something. I'll probably just be doing them on my own when everyone else has gone home. Crying. So, in the meantime, let's uh, we'll probably talk about I May Destroy You first. Yeah. So, why don't we play something from. The soundtrack to I May yes. Destroy You, which I keep wanting to call I Will Destroy You. It's much more decisive in my mind. I'm, I like that. I'm going to get you. Hey, do you know who is great? Who? Sampa the Great. She's great, isn't she? Yes. <laughs> One of the tracks that she's got in the soundtrack to I May Destroy You is OMG. So let's all go OMG and OMG it. Yeah? Love it. Boom. E, A, 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 E, A,
love the soundtrack so much to that series. It's got a lot of goodens in it. Oh, yeah. If I get the chance, I might play another track from that, in fact, before we leave this subject. But, hey, I've yet to watch I May Destroy You. I keep meaning to watch it, but it looks quite terrifying and stressful. And it normally comes around to quite late at night. And I think, oh, do I want to have nightmares? So I'll just watch something cuddly instead and go to bed. Am I wrong in that? Have I got the wrong idea? Yeah. Oh. I would say it's not frightening. It's definitely not frightening. I would say it could be a bit triggering. Well, not frightening, but it looks nightmarish. It's very intense. Yeah. It's a roller coaster. It's everything. It's just a great TV series. And that tends to have all the moods in it that you need, really. Usually, if it's well done, it's not one note. You know, if it's late at night and you're in a stressy mood, maybe maybe it's not the chill one for you. I'm always in a stressy mood late at night. <laughs> But I love it. And I think it's amazing. I think everyone should watch it. And you should be ashamed of yourself that you haven't yet, basically. I'm telling you off, both of you. I, I am ashamed. Hey, well, look, that's what I've been hearing about it. And I thought... What have you been spending your time on that's better? In fact, no, let's not even talk about that. Because it doesn't deserve to be talked about. <laughs> well, we'll touch upon this later. Because I was going to sit down and watch it last night. And then because I knew you wanted to talk about the National Theatre, I, yeah. I flicked on Amadeus, which is their current upload. And then two and a half hours later, I was still watching oh, Amadeus. It was, we'll talk about that in a bit. But yeah, so it's a joy that's still to come. Yeah, so for those who don't know about it, it's a great piece of television from Michaela Cole, who you may know from Chewing Gum. Oh, I love Chewing Gum. It was so funny. Yeah, so she wrote and starred in this as the lead. It's definitely a different note to Chewing Gum, but there are elements of comedy in it. And it's an amazing look at being young in London. It looks at sexual assault. Importantly, sexual assault for both genders. It looks at female friendship, friendship in general, race, sexuality, and how technology fits into these things. And so social media and how it impacts them further, enhances them, reflects them. It's almost like another character in the show. Now, is that reflected in the way it's made as well? So yeah. it's constantly shifting between kind of the way it's presented? It has a very clear tone. Um, it's also really well directed. Like I would say, it's got a very specific way of being shot. There are definitely sort of effects that are used for flashbacks, for memories, for sort of triggering experiences. And I would say about all these kind of different things that it looks at, it's hard to describe it quickly so apologies but I would say it doesn't shy away from showing these experience in all these different areas and it subverts a lot of our understanding of those different areas that I've listed that it covers and looks at and how we as viewers sit with things and brings a lot into question and gives us new ideas new perspectives so I would say it challenges you and it challenges you in that it's also quite subtle at points as well so it's very overt in certain things and there's movements between areas in London but it definitely doesn't give you everything on a plate you have to sort of think about stuff oh that sounds fun uh how can we watch this I, I play my friend I play and because you've taken so long, it's all out. It's all out. It finished last Sunday, didn't it? I've heard loads of people saying that the ending was just amazing. Obviously, never yeah. giving anything away, but Whoa. that's piqued my curiosity already. Yeah, it's really great. And I would say also stick with it because there's a lot of tonal shifts in the. It has a very specific voice. It's sort of like a tapestry because it builds up a lot of different things. You learn about the protagonist's childhoods. There's flashback episodes. You learn about experiences they've had in the recent past, so to sort of the last year. And it also goes back and looks at that. It
it sort of builds and builds and builds with each episode, which is also really great. And she's piecing together her experience of sexual assault. And so that is also building outwards as she finds out more and remembers more and things like that. Uh, wasn't there some story with how it got commissioned? She went to Netflix and then the BBC were much better than Netflix. Netflix tried to screw her over or something. I haven't, I'm not sure. Maybe. Naughty old Netflix. That sounds quite bad, doesn't it? I don't think they tried to screw over, but I think BBC did a better job. I think they let her keep the rights to it or something along those lines, whereas Netflix wanted to own it wholeheartedly. So she can now continue to earn from it. That's good. Which is uh, another important thing that the BBC does. A lot of people complain about why do things fall off in the iPlayer all the time? It's because they pay their contributors. Yeah. And they pay them continually as well yeah i'm really glad it's on the bbc it's 12 or 13 episodes and it's 12 i think and they are quite short so similar to normal people in that kind of um episodic almost like a comedy length right slot okay you're winning me over now this is great because i see the picture of it i hear all these great things about it and i just think that seems like a huge time investment but no 30 minute episodes 12 of perfect i'm in i'm in yeah yeah and also you will just consume these like you you want to find out more i would say i've kind of took breaks in between the episodes just after doing like four in a row which for me is is nothing it's child's play (laughs) i would then take a breather from it because it is an intense tv series oh don't worry wonderfully so uh and the soundtrack we heard that obviously that amazing song just then would you recommend the soundtrack as a whole is it memorable totally absolutely (laughs) it's such a character within it the social media and the soundtrack and and they're kind of connected at points as well interestingly there's one moment where she this isn't spoiling anything she decides to turn off social media and as she turns it off the music turns off as well and the music's very high paced so it's it's sort of just this silence bit of diegetic music i like it clever There you go. There's one of those media studies terms I thought I'd never get to use in adult life, but boom, I did. Tick. There you go. Look at you. I'll bring in my pathetic fallacy in a minute for my English lip terms. Oh, hang on. (laughs) The family show. Exactly. Wait till the camera's off. I don't want to be seeing that. You both kind of touched upon this. You know, a lot of people are attacking the BBC at the moment, slating it, but they're really knocking it out of the proverbial park with a lot of the content they're having. Yeah. They're having a lot of stuff which is really challenging they're an asset. and really interestingly conceived and yeah. conceptualized stuff you don't actually see on platforms like Netflix and stuff. No. with their series about like superhero nuns <laughs> traveling the world killing vampires they're kind of heading for the mainstream those dudes well and also they're very formulaic mm. and I think what's really good about I May Destroy You and I think this is what I mean about also sticking with it is there's sort of elements and tropes of other TV shows but I would say Netflix just churns out the same stuff or you watch a trailer for something and you think oh they're trying to do X again or Y again or that's because this TV series worked so they're remaking it in a different model well, they're chasing the high aren't they really yeah and I would say I'm May Destroy You is not like much I've seen ever on television before and it's Ooh. great because of that yeah. but it you know you, it takes you a minute whereas there's nothing brave about what a lot of Netflix produce I'll say this and then yeah. I'll you know need to work for them or something at some point <laughs> I would not be without Netflix I love Netflix it's changed my life it's wonderful but the BBC but we love the Beeb we all love the Beeb the BBC are an, a wonderful unique asset to this country I will never do them down. yeah yeah, I think the line I will draw between Netflix and the BBC is I'm really happy to leech off family members' Netflix accounts, but I'm happy to pay for the BBC. And that's, boom, that's the line I'm going to draw there. Well, that's. Oh, yeah, I need to clarify. Netflix did not try to screw her over. She, they offered her $1 million, but the BBC gave her a better deal. So she was able to turn down. And creatively or financially? Uh, I think just like a, a fairer deal. I don't think it was, I don't know, I don't know. 
but she was able to turn them down and walk away. Good for her. She's great as well. She's done some lectures recently. Michaela Cole, definitely be aware of her as well if you're not already. Mm. Chewing Gum is on Netflix. So if you want to sort of look Ah. at what she's previously done, check that out as well, because that's great too. But I May Destroy You needs to be top of everyone's list. It's homework for the day. (laughs) Enjoy. It's great. I was crowing about the fact that I was going to have the delayed pleasure of watching it all in one go. But no, I'm kind of more now sitting with you, Nancy, that actually I'm a a bounder and a scoundrel for leaving it this long. And I'm going to readdress that almost immediately. I feel like switching this off and going and watching it now. I know, I've, got, I've done my job too well. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> oh, here we go. Just to clarify, clarify, the BBC allowed us to retain a percentage of the show's copyright, whereas Netflix wanted the whole copyright for the million dollars that they were offering. But you were right. You were right, basically. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, there no. you go. There you go. All right, well, look, I'll tell you what. I love the sound of it so much. Let's have another track room in the show, like Oy! I said. This Yay! Is, so this is Green Tea Peng. Hey, I'm just going to say that name again because check that one out. I wish I was called Green Tea Peng. That's not fair. Yeah. Why wasn't I called Green Tea Peng? But this is Green Tea Peng. You've got to be Peng, Matt. I'm, hey, I'm Peng. I'm just not Green Tea Peng. <laughs> this is Green Tea Peng with Miss Darsan. That was a great song, Matt. Alison, what did you say about BBC Sounds? BBC Sounds has the sound trapper, I may destroy you, available in their mixes section. Or at least they did a few days ago. Check it out. Like, we're sponsored. That was like an ad. <laughs> or do you know what you could do? Just carrying on listening to Soho Radio. It's fine. Yeah, don't change. No, but we're not saying now, Matt. Don't worry. They're going to stay with us. But but later, do that. Invest in a couple of computers or listen to one on your computer and one on your phone. You know, best of both worlds. Yeah. It's like that bread, you know. It's got the whole meal shiz in it, but also it's like the white bread as well. Anyway, I don't know where I'm going with that analogy. Forget that one. Uh, let's move on so let's quickly touch upon the national theater stuff nancy because there's a lot of great content that's been unleashed upon us because of covid yeah and let's also be honest as well what is actually happening to the theater industry and where that can go going forward is is an incredible uh, stress and tragedy absolutely for those who don't know the national theater uh they are streaming an existing play from their archive a filmed play obviously every thursday on their YouTube channel, but there are also links on their website itself, which is where you can check it out. And they do that, I think, around 7pm every Thursday. And they also have a sort of programme on their website of what's coming each week and the following weeks after that. I think they finished now, haven't they? I think this week was the last week, was, wasn't it? Was it? Was it the last week? Well, I, I saw one at the weekend. I was going to watch I May Destroy You. And then because we discussed that we're going to do some National Theatre stuff, I thought, I'll just watch a little bit of it and see what it's like. So I stuck on Amadeus from 2016 to 2017, it ran. I thought I'll watch five minutes of it. And then two hours, 40 minutes later, I was there just going, oh my gosh, it was incredible. The central performance from Amadeus is Salieri, who in this is played by British Tanzanian actor called Lucien Massamati. And also Carla Chrome was in it as well. They were so amazing and their performances were so of the stage with all the gesticulations and his performance of Salieri was such a theatre piece that you felt watching it at once. You were, I was really enjoying it. But secondly, I was thinking, I wish I'd seen this in the theatre. Yeah. You know, it reminded me of that experience that you can have when you see a great play performed by great actors, that connection you have, that sense of unpredictability and that it happening there in front of you. Yeah. It's just something that no other medium can possibly. The power of it to. is really. Yeah. That's the thing. It just makes me realise I miss the theatre, really. 
and also the the communal experience i think we talked about this last show with the with missing the cinema sort of trips it's not so much because some films it's fine but some films are purely really for watching at the cinema a lot of blockbuster sort of you know superhero films and stuff like that yeah. are actually really they're better shared and you sit in an audience and you all have the same responses all have the same sense of tension and it's just different both that kind of kind of cinema experience and that kind of theater experience is something that we genuinely are in danger of losing yeah so at this key point in time we really need to be aware that you know I know a lot of people might just think bums to actors. They've all got pots of cash, haven't they? But really, you're only talking about a high echelon there. Yeah. We know many great actors who, who have had starring roles in place, who are living in rented accommodation. They've got bills to pay. They're stuck, like everyone else is at the moment, without employment, without income. Plus, you've got front of house staff, be it box office, the bar or the blooming candy stand. You've got behind the scenes, backstage staff, which are vital, behind all the glamour. You've just got peeps trying to get along and make a living and pay their rent and mortgage and put food on the table like everyone else. And they're struggling as the doors to their places of employment stay closed. There's a lot of stuff online. If you look up sort of your local theatres or things like that, and if there's any way to support theatres at the moment, and also even the large ones, even things like the National Theatre, there's a lot of schemes. But yeah, exactly. And one other thing I wanted to mention as well is that I haven't talked about for a few months is the Kennington Bioscope screenings. So Kennington Bioscope, Anyone that listens to this show regularly knows that we are huge, huge fans of that. They, they're based at the Cinema Museum in Kennington. They're not able to run it at the moment for obvious reasons. So for the past couple of months now, every fortnight, they have a screening session. So I want to put a shout out to Kennington Bioscope and Michelle Facey, who have been entertaining and educating myself and the kids during lockdown with fortnightly live streaming silent film shows on YouTube that you can also re-watch on the same platform. They're all up there. So there's no excuses. You don't have to watch it live. You can go back and see it. But if you do watch it live, the amazing thing is, is the uh, piano accompaniment of all the films is happening as you watch live in your front room. Last night was the most recent one. The BFI afforded them the opportunity to screen the very first big screen version of Hobson's Choice that was 100 years old back in March. So there you go. They have lots of short films and also feature length ones as well. And they're always introduced by Michelle with a gaggle of fantastic facts. Uh, and they even include full timings in the YouTube listing. So you can go back in and, and jump in and go to the exact thing that you want rather than having to sit for everything if you're that type of person. Uh, I've absolutely loved watching and sharing these with my eight-year-old B. It's become a lovely little treat every few weeks on a Wednesday to sort of wind down at home with a Ken Biosco. So I, I heartily recommend you catch up with their stuff on YouTube. Plus, in the same way we're talking about theatres, you can pop them some peas via their Ko-Fi account so they can continue sharing this amazing content. Reminiscing about the National Theatre ones that aren't available anymore, I watched Anthony and Cleopatra with Sophie Akinado and Rafe Pines. Um, oh, Rafe. Oh, I really wanted to watch that. Uh, they did such a good job. They put their own interpretation on it in such a good way. They really got these characters powerfully across. But now... Bear in mind that I'm really, really enjoyed it and I really complimented them there. But I'm going to say what I truly believe is that I think they slightly base the characters on the characters of Miss Jones and Rigsby from Rising Dan, <laughs> which you're too young to remember, Nancy. But in a wonderful way, they did this because those are wow. two quite big characters with a little bit of hint of being pathetic behind them, a little bit of hint of self-delusion. And they really use those. I'm sure, I'm sure. I hope they won't mind saying, but I 
it worked so well. You got this once you saw it, you couldn't stop seeing it. The overblown theatrics of it that worked in such a good way. It really seemed to be echoing these characters. Oh, anyway, they did a fantastic job. I can't imagine it with anyone else now. It worked so well. I think it was one of the things that I will remember from this time, one of the positive things, hopefully. I wish I'd seen that, and I hope the score was like an Egyptian version of the themes from Rising Down. <laughs> that would have been amazing. <laughs> So, right, I now have for you 100 years worth of anniversaries. So let's see how many we can do in 10 minutes, like about one or two. So, right, we're going to start here on August the 8th, 1920. Eric von Stroheim's second film as a director, The Devil's Pass Key, was released. Firstly, what's a pass key? And secondly, who out of you guys have heard of Eric von Stroheim? Oh, me. What can you tell me about Eric von Stroheim, Alison? He was a director. First, he was an actor. He was an actor in the 1910s in lots of stuff, especially First World War films. He became kind of the archetypal nasty German commandant. He was actually became internationally known as the man you love to hate, playing just complete and utter gits who would turn up somewhere and muck everything up by just virtue of their complete rottenness. And his films were something else. He became notorious for his extravagance, for going over budget and wildly over length. Alison, can you think of any names of any of his films that spring to mind? No. No. Well, there you go. I'm going to give you some. <laughs> I was trying to show off by saying that I've heard of him, but uh, no, the mind is a blank. I can highly recommend his stuff. It's like nothing else. At once, stuff that were like these amazing Viennese confections, but also were nasty and seedy and horrible on the underbelly. He would show you the wonderful extravagance of it all and turn it all around and show you the other side of it. Uh, Blind Husbands was his debut film, and he followed that up with Foolish Wives, Greed, the Wedding March, Queen Kelly. His directorial career came to an end by the end of the 1920s because of his extravagance. He got pretty much chucked out of every film studio. MGM wouldn't have him. Universal wouldn't have him. But all this was in the future when he made Devil's Pass Key in 1920, a film that we'll probably never get to see because no print of it whatsoever have survived. And the original camera negative crumbled into sludgy dust back in 1941. Right, August 8th, 1930, 90 years old this month is Dizzy Dishes. It's a short cartoon produced by Max Fleischer, directed by Dave Fleischer, animated by Grim Natwick. But do you know what cartoon character made their debut in 1930 in Dizzy Dishes? Was it Hank out of King of the Hill? It was not Hank out of King of the Hill. What made you say Well, that? I made a guess. I have no guesses. That's better than me. What about if I say it was probably the most famous female cartoon character? Uh, Betty Boop. Betty Boop, you're right. That was her very oh. first cartoon. Ah. Oh, man. I love Betty Boop. You familiar with like a lot of her 1930s stuff? Yes. Love Betty Boop. And for her cameo in Who Framed Roger Rabbit, one of my favourite films of all time. Exactly. And in her debut, Dizzy Dishes, Betty Boop is looking pretty grotesque. In fact, she's literally... A dog. Yeah. Like, literally, she's a dog. The lead of the cartoon was a, a character called Bimbo, yeah? And he was a dog as well. Yeah. And she was introduced originally as the love interest for Bimbo. But over the next 10 appearances, Betty's dog ears started to morph into earrings until she was eventually was a human. So when she transitioned into a human, Bimbo remained a dog. 
So she was now the girlfriend of an anthropomorphized dog. The old, old story. Very strange, very strange. Her image and uh, voice was stolen from Helen Kane, wasn't it? And so she ended up uh, having to sue. So yeah, Betty was based, you're right, Alison. She was based on the 1920s boop oop doop singer Helen Kane. She was pretty much like in her early cartoons, a straightforward caricature of her. What was Helen Kane's most famous song? I Want to Be Loved by You. Exactly. Marilyn Monroe did that one, Nancy, in Some Like It Hot. I know. Yeah, there you go. Just you, nobody else but you in her wonderful dresses. Exactly. Oh, that Love dress. That. incredible dress. <laughs> so Kane's career took a bit of a nosedive in the early 1930s, not least because her baby talk, boop boop a dooping was appropriated by a lot of other female singers like Annette Hanshaw and, of course, Betty Boop. So she sued them for nabbing her uh, vocal stylings about recompense. But in the court case, do you know what happened in the court case, Alison? Uh, no, I don't. Well, do you know who won? I assume Ellen Kane didn't win because the big guy always wins. Well, she potentially, but she didn't win because it came to light that she'd actually stolen her vocal style off of someone else. She was suing them because they appropriated her vocal style. She'd nabbed it. Oh, my God. She'd nabbed it off an African-American kiddie performer called Esther Lee Jones, who went by the name of Little Esther. Oh, we should have guessed this, shouldn't we? This is always the case. It's always the case. Ceiling. Supposedly, Kane and her manager had seen Little Esther perform in the late 1920s and nabbed the scatting styly that Kane and subsequently Betty, who was voiced by Mae Questel, among others, would interpolate each song with. Do you know what I mean? All this sort yeah, of stuff, boop, yeah? Boop, 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 boop. This all came out in the court case that Kane lost. And she sort of disappeared off the radar. That's so interesting. I didn't know that. Did the original artist ever get anything then? Or did she just lose it all, all over? Well, I really wanted to play something by Little Esther at this point. Yeah. But sadly, it doesn't look like they've made any recordings of her. Or if they did, they haven't sort of resurfaced. She did make supposedly some silent movies. Again, none of those seem to have survived. And in the actual court case, they used an early talkie that she appeared in to prove that she was using this vocal style back in the late 1920s. Uh, but she wasn't in the case at the time because they said she was working in Paris. And it doesn't look like that short film has survived the years either. Mm. But little Esther was born in Chicago in 1919. She started performing at the age of four after winning a Charleston competition. <laughs> yeah, she definitely appeared like in this movie tone short that they used in the Boop versus Kane court case. She also supposedly made some talkies in 1930s Germany because... In the late 20s and early 30s, this little girl, she toured all over the US, South America and Europe doing concert halls, vaudeville at big venues like the Moulin Rouge, wow. where she was billed as the mini Josephine Baker. She did like shows for various kings and queens and flipping gentry. She sung songs in multiple languages while she was still just like 10. Press write-ups at the time, of which there are quite a few if people go looking for them, seemed to confirm that her tour was really successful in Stockholm, where some racist cafe owner refused to serve her and her mum. There was such an uproar in the press that the restaurant was forced to close down. Wow. Sticking it there to the horrible man. Yeah. But unfortunately, she disappears from history after about 1934. She comes back to the States. She's a dancer in Cab Calloway's troupe when she's still only about 14 or 15. And then she just disappears from the record. No one, some people say she might have died, but whatever happens, she disappears. Oh. And there seems to be a heck of a lot of confusion over her. If you like Google search her, there's loads of pictures that are attributed to her that aren't her. But Esther Lee Jones, who most likely inspired Helen Kane, who definitely inspired Betty Boop, who is 90 years old this August 8th. She sounds like a black performer whose life deserves a lot more attention 
yeah an investigation yeah i'm just doing a little look up there's definitely some articles on it and they're, they're not to be confused with another performer definitely make sure it's the 1920s because there's one who was born in 1935 called esther phillips yeah yeah and she went also by the name of little esther as well later on exactly yeah so she did, she was called little esther confusingly but this is the 1920s performer yeah, yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Well, Matt, that was amazing because until now, I'd always thought, oh, Betty Booth ripped off Helen Kane. Helen Kane was completely screwed over. But no, it was all along. She was stealing it off somebody else. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, well, there you go. Just go to the show. Thank you for telling me. I was going to say a little bit about Betty Booth. You guys, have, have you seen any Betty Booth cartoons? Yeah, I saw that one uh, with Cab Calloway and all the uh, skeletons. It's brilliant. Yeah, he did Minnie the Moocher, yeah. Snow White, and also the old man of the mountain, all with Cab Calloway. There's one with, um, oh, I can't remember, there's two, There's Toothache. She helps with the toothache. Yeah. I've seen that one. I've seen a few. I mean, I've, I watched them when I was quite young, so I, I can only describe them vaguely, and I don't think you'll enjoy that. Yeah, <laughs> my favourite one, it's one of my favourite films, full stop, is one called Betty Boop M.D., where she turns up in a town with this character, Bimbo. She's selling this cure-all called Jippo that is fed to all these different characters and all like crazy things happen. And it ends with a baby downing a bottle of this stuff in close-up. And then he transitions into Frederick March's Mr. Hyde. Wow. From Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. And if you see it out of context, it's the most freaky fry your mind nightmares <laughs> you could possibly imagine even if you get the reference it's weird but if you don't get the reference it's just mad so that's one you definitely have to see it's on like youtube in hd betty boop md released in 1932 probably with like blonde venus the marlena dietrich film so what an amazing night out at the cinema to go and see marlena dietrich in blonde venus backed up with this mad betty boop cartoon betty boop md I love Betty Boop stuff, so happy birthday to Betty Boop. You're nobody's sweetheart now. They don't baby you somehow. Now fancy homes, silk and gown. Right, gonna gonna speed through some more stuff here. 1935. This is 85 years ago. Here's a good one released on July tw July 12th. I missed this one out from last month. Have you guys ever seen Mad Love? No. The Peter Laurie film. It was his debut film in America. It's absolutely insane. I'm not going to tell you anything about it other than you have to see it. That the BBFC tried to ban it back in 1935. That it was directed by Carl Frund, who shot. Carl Freund, or Freund, who shot Metropolis and Bella Lugosi's Dracula and also directed the brilliant version of The Mummy with Boris Karloff and Zita Johan. If that's not enough of a recommendation to catch Mad Love, which is 85 years old this month, then I don't know what it is. Yeah. Also, August the 1st, 1935, 39 Steps. Oh, uh, the Hitchcock one. Yeah, who's in the cast of that film? Robert Donat. Robert Donat and Madeline Carroll, is it? Yeah, 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 yeah. That's a great film. What a film. August 12th. I saw that, I saw that on stage. 
harking back to the theatre conversation, it was amazing. Oh, they made a musical of it, didn't they? Oh, they, they made, made a musical of it. I think I saw a production. Maybe it wasn't a musical. Maybe I've just imagined that. I might have imagined mine. I can't imagine what the songs would be, but I bet they could do it. Hey, I'm going to get that train, a train, I've got the train, oh, the memory train, man, train. Anyway, yeah. Okay. One step, two step, three. <laughs> yeah, that was the showstopper. Who needs theatre when the two of you can perform this to me? Exactly. <laughs> hey, talking of theatre, here is a musical for the ages. Here's a film which is... 85 years old but still is as fresh as a daisy every single time you've watched it and i've watched it enough times to know fred astaire ginger rogers top hat oh. nancy no no i'm sorry i got a tiny bit distracted because there was a play for 39 steps except it's called the 39 steps and it was a parody play so it was a comedy Hello. on the hitchcock film which is why I you know that. i think i went to see that was that a yeah. criterion? It was really I think good. So. It had like a limited number of actors in it and they were playing many, many parts. It was yes. really well done. Yes, yes, yes. It's really funny. It's like farcical and hilarious. So sorry. Yeah. I fell down a little rabbit hole because I thought I'd just check like whether it was a production and then I was like, oh. So, but yes to whatever you just said, Matt. Top hat. Top hat. No. Yeah. You've never seen Top Hat? I don't think so. Oh my gosh. Top Hat is currently on iPlayer. Okay. I highly recommend it. It's amazing. Amazing. It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah. It's a, it's one of the classics, isn't it? The Fred Astaire, Ginger Rogers, dancing in beautiful silver and white and black. And, oh, man. Uh, the Art Deco backgrounds and the swishing dresses. It's If you want to see a Ginger Rogers, uh, Fred Astaire one. Yeah, that's one of the archetypes. I definitely would like to experience Fred Astaire and Ginger Rogers in any capacity at the moment to feel oh. light of foot and carefree. Oh, man. Well, look, I'm going to tell you some of the songs that are in that film, just just so you know. Here are some of the songs. Top Hat, White Tails, Cheek to Cheek. Yes. What a heaven, I'm in heaven. That was beautiful. Da, 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 that one, that one's in it. Lovely. Oh, do you know what it has got, which is one of my all-time favourite songs, and I used to sing to B when she was little. The Piccolino. Not the Piccolino. I love the Piccolino. Yeah. Well, that was my guess. Oh, but not the Piccolino. Isn't it a lovely day to be caught in the rain? Oh, yeah, that they did do that very well. Isn't it a lovely day to be caught in the rain is actually one of those musical numbers that if you had to, like, justify humanity's existence... And it's really tough to justify humanity's existence in this day and age. But that is one of the things I would put as like exhibit A, that musical number, uh, isn't it a lovely day to be caught in the rain? It's just a beautiful song, a beautiful number. Oh, do you know, putting on the Ritz. Oh, putting on the Ritz. Yes. Putting on the Ritz was in that as well, yeah. Putting on the Ritz is not on, not in Top Hat. Uh, it's on the cast album from the original Broadway production. Oh, but, yeah. someone's got it. There is no original. The, the original Broadway production is not an original Broadway production. The original Broadway oh, production sorry. is version uh, of the musical with a whole bunch of other songs. I misspoke. So it's uh, putting on the Ritz ain't in that Matt, film. Matt, would you say it's a case of 39 Steps and the 39 Steps? I'd say it's definitely a case of that, yes. Right, 1965, Alison. Help. Why? Help. What's wrong? What's wrong, Matt? No, How can I help? No, no, it's not that. It's the, uh, the I was going to say the Monkeys film. Oh, my God. No, it's the, <laughs> the Beatles film. Help came out in July the 29th. Ah. Is that the one with Wilfred Brambles? No, Wilfred Brambles in the uh, Hard Day's Night. This one has got, what's his face? Rumpole of the Bailey Geese. Who's Rumpole oh, of the Bailey what's his name? Uh, Liam McKern. Liam McKern's in it. Uh, everyone's sort of like doing, let's, let's just say it, let's just say it out loud. There's a lot of brown face going on in that film. Oh, no. Probably not a great one to revive. And also the Beatles themselves were like supposedly just battered off their nuts on the old Spiffaroonies. And half the time they do look pretty half cut. So, yeah. <laughs> so there you go. A nice one to revisit perhaps if you are half cut yourself. August 6, 1965. 
this is a tragic one. I wish Nancy, Nancy had to leave us for uh, the latter half of this show. I wish she was here because I think this would have got her excited. You know how I said uh, when we talked about Beyond the Valley of the Dolls? Yeah. That you should probably tread carefully when it comes to the rest of Russ Meyer's oeuvre. Oh. Well, this is one I don't think you need to tread carefully on, right? Faster pussycat kill kill. Oh, yeah. I've got a t-shirt with that. Have you? Yeah, I wear it when I'm running. <laughs> and I'm not sure if it's entirely appropriate, but if, you know, it feels good to me. That feels great. That's a brilliant thing. That's that's lovely. That's very good. That stars a lady called Tura Satana, right? She's incredible. She's transcendental. She was tough as nails. She choreographed all the fight scenes in that. She beats the crap out of at least one guy in that film and every just about everybody else. I mean, she's just, she's just unbelievable. In fact, I can't really give enough superlatives to get across to you how incredible that film is. So I'm actually going to play you and then I'm actually going to play you the theme of the film. But before I play you the theme of the film, I'm, I'm going to play you some of the madcap hyperbole that Maya used to flog the film back in 1965. Hyperbole. Some bit of hyperbubbles. Some hyperbubbles. <laughs> some hyperbubbles. Let's hear some hyperbubbles. If you want one. Ladies and gentlemen, go, go for a wild, wild ride with the Watusi cats. But beware, the sweetest kittens have the sharpest claws. Did you know that Faster Pussycat Kill Kill was remade in Japan in 2005 as Operation Pussycat? Can't believe it. I know. I couldn't believe it either until I read it the other day. So that's a little a little new fact. And that's it. That's your lot. Wowzers. Next month, I sincerely hope we can give you the lowdown on some new cinematic releases. Imagine that. Stuff that you can actually see at cinemas again. Hopefully. Let's see what happens there. Let's not forget the new Bill and Ted film oh. is coming out next month. <gasps> I'm looking forward to that so much. They both seem like such nice guys. And so to take us out, have you ladies heard of Los Bichos? No. Los Bichos. Well, now you're going to hear them. They're a five-piece lady band from London. Nice. They've got two guitars, one bass guitar, one keytar, one set of bongos. Love this. Also, the bassist Josephine can ride two ponies at once and was on Swedish TV, age 10, doing just that. <laughs> yeah. So put that in your proverbial pipe and puff it. So until next time, this is Matt, Alison and Nancy signing off on another Pop Teak. Check out the online version of the show for more incredible content. Show you care with a share. And more importantly, take care of yourselves and each other. And now, without further ado, let's have a bit of Lost Bit Joss and the link is about to die. <laughs>